you get excited about crypto. I definitely get excited about crypto. The, the government here, they want to build these new economies and they want to be at the forefront of it. My job as a leader is to sort of use my energy to sort of make sure everyone else is, is working hard. You know, these are the guys that went all in at the right time and, and it worked, but lots of people go have gone all in on crypto and it not worked. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with the Megaverse da, 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 and the Jahi events. Now today's guest on the podcast is the executive director and general manager of Binance, which is the biggest crypto exchange in the world. And he's going to be talking to us all about crypto, how it works, how the exchange works and how you can benefit from using crypto assets to build your portfolio. Alex Shahade has more than 20 years of experience in finance, 12 in operations and trading, and he's been in virtual assets since 2016, and he hasn't looked back, working towards a vision of bridging the gaps from the physical and digital worlds. Over at Binance, he's responsible for leading and growing the operation of the regulated Binance business here in Dubai and spearheading the growth of the region's ecosystem from all things Web3, the metaverse, virtual assets and more. This is a really interesting episode if you want to learn about the future of money, Web3 and how it will impact your life. Megaverse, the digital frontier of tomorrow. Megaverse stands at the cutting edge intersection of technology and imagination. It's a virtual realm where the limitless expanse of the digital universe unfolds, offering users unparalleled experiences and interactions. With its advanced metaverse platform, users can craft unique avatars, forge connections, and even establish their own digital estates. It's more than just virtual reality. Megaverse is an expansive digital civilization teeming with opportunities for both individuals and brands. From immersive concerts to revolutionary retail experiences, Megaverse is redefining the way we engage with the digital world. As we stand on the brink of a new era where the lines between our physical reality and the digital realm blur, Megaverse is poised to lead the charge in this brave new world. Dive in and discover a universe without bounds. This really is the future. And lastly, thank you to Najahi Events, who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. So Alex, thank you so much for coming to join us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always. It's interesting, you know, talking to you because... You, you've assumed this position in this in this big successful brand of Binance and kind of like the world knows about this brand now and the people that don't understand crypto still have heard of Binance. Mm -hmm. And yet you, many years ago, were sat in an audience watching me present on stage, which I find quite interesting. So take us back so that people can understand a bit about your career and how you've developed over the years. Where did you start? What were your interests? And then how did you then get into the world of crypto uh, and business really as well? Okay, so uh, I studied physics at university. Um, it's, it's always people that study. That's the toughest thing to study, isn't it? That's what the really bright people do. That's what they say, that's what they say. Uh, it was tough. Um, but it's something I enjoyed. Um, I'm, I'm more numbers than words. So it was mass or physics. And I enjoyed problem solving and understanding how things work. So it led to physics. Um, 
and I actually did my master's in quantum computing, which I forgot about for quite a while. And now, you know, everyone talks about it in crypto and it's like, oh, actually, I do know a little bit about this. <laughs> so it's quite funny. So pe people on stage like to sort of have a quick chat about these things. And I'm like, mm, you're not quite right there, but you know, it's... Are you, are you a bit geeky like that though? Were you into kind of like more more geeky, techie kind of number related stuff as a youngster? Yeah, I mean, I did sports as well, but like I enjoyed to read and as I say, like numbers were, were something I enjoyed. Um, so yeah, maths, physics, chemistry, really sort of things that, you know, when you're, when you're good at things, it's, it's easier to sort of enjoy, right? Yeah. Um, so after physics, I was in London and, you know, financial services hub, and you know that, that's the main industry so you so most jobs most opportunities and i went into trading um trading companies like physicists uh, mathematicians um and so jumped into that with another what, guy what called, were you trading we were trading interest rates oh, okay so funny enough me and another guy called spencer we were the first two grads in this trading company and we were trading interest rates Never done anything with economics. Never done, didn't do economics at school. Didn't even know that was a subject. We went to a comprehensive, so that wasn't an, an option. Um, and we learned about macroeconomics, charting, supply, um, just trading uh, these futures on CME, on CBOT, on LIFE, the London floor. And it was the life traders. So, you know, the guys in the pit. So it's a very charismatic place. Everyone's shouting and arguing the whole time. Um, and I, I think I've taken in that sort of mentality uh, into my subsequent offices. So keep oh, I've lively. got to stop you there. How old are you? 41. Okay, you look about 25. So I'm sitting there thinking, how was he exposed to that? That's all, that's all automated now. So you were actually down in the pits with the guys. So give, let's give people some perspective on this. Because I think if you've never been in one of those places, they're, they're a real kind of hive of energy, aren't they? And a, a place, as a young person in business, like a place really seductive. So the, the life floor, so when I started, just it was parallel. So they were just closing the life floor, but they had the life floor and then they had the screens. Uh -huh. And people were doing arbitrage between the screens and the floor. They shouldn't have been doing it, but they were. Um, and then it went totally screen-based. Um, but there was still arbitrage opportunities. It was still really uh, new. And so like spreads, calendar spreads, butterflies, they, they were arbitrage opportunities. So people could buy the outrights. Where, and then trade it against what a screen price would be. And, you know, it was very good. But it became much more efficient and tightened up. And by 2009, when the world was also crumbling, like uh, the inefficiencies were almost gone. Everyone's using computers. You know, that's why they, they brought in physicists. <clears throat> and so we, we had arbitrage bots really tightening things to like BIPs rather than percentage points for arbitrage. Um, and then I guess that's when I first found out about crypto because I was in Cape Town at the time. We had a trading desk down there and you know we were sitting at the bottom of Africa every day looking at the Dow down 400, down 500. And you know, I hadn't seen the Dow down 100 before. And you know, these are, we're asking guys a bit older than us, what's going on? No one knew, banks start failing. We hadn't seen that really in our lifetime. I mean, Bearing Bank we'd heard of. Um, you know, a few of the guys were around at that point, but that was a sort of one iso relatively isolated incident. 
And so, yeah, carried on trading and realized that, you know, this isn't a solved problem. There's still, you know, financial institutions don't quite understand everything. People don't understand everything. And going back to being geeky, I was on Reddit as from early days, and that's where Bitcoin came. And I don't know if you've ever seen the, the picture of the wizard. Yes. Yeah, with the internet money, you know. <laughs> and uh, that sparked their interest, had a little look, bought some Bitcoin, um, but wasn't like still working in financial services, wasn't totally convinced by it, sort of forgot about it a bit. Some people would tease me a little bit about buying Bitcoin and you're an anarchist. And I thought, no, just, just interest, right? And then I think I remember working at another firm around 2010 and we had a Bitcoin feed. I think we had Bitcoin and Litecoin at the time, but no one traded it and it, like, it just flutter around. So, you know, didn't think much of it. Um, and then fast forward to 2016, I was out here. I just left uh, or exited a company that set up with a couple of guys, one from London, one from here. So it brought me out here. And I was like, do I go back into the same trading or I was like, let's have a look at crypto. And it was just as it was sort of picking up and becoming interesting. And, you know, it was past Ethereum. So, you know, a couple of other cryptos and people were starting to create new new cryptos with new ideas. And I thought, oh, let's, let's, let's dig in and have a look. Um, and thankfully here, there were quite a lot of people sort of talking about it. It's a thoroughfare, right? Because Dubai is a sort of a travel hub. So people would stop off here and, and talk about crypto. Um, and from that point on, I've only been working in crypto. Um, I helped a few financial services firms here uh, sort of set up abilities to add crypto to their trading, trading platform or trading uh, sort of large trades for, for some of their clients. And then in 2019, ADGM released a framework for digital assets, virtual assets as they call them. Uh, and then I joined a couple of friends, uh, mid-chains, uh, and set up a, a licensed MTF, multilateral trading facility in ADGM and yeah. Custodian. So did that for a couple of years. Um, and then my boss is Richard Teng, who used to be CEO of, um, of ADGM. Uh, and then a, a few of the other people from ADGM joined Binance at the time, and we'd sort of seen. And uh, I got a call and they said, do you want to come join Binance? And I thought, there's a fantastic opportunity. It's the, 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 the name, the brand, the volume. I was like, you know, it's... Uh, a golden ticket to to have fun and you know really try and change the industry. So a no-brainer to join a world you'd got excited about. But there's one thing investing in coins and another thing working for essentially the the bank or, or the house almost with mm. that trading exchange. What what did you learn about business when you went to work at Binance? You oh, clearly a a startup at that point and you'd learned about Bitcoin, but did you learn more about business and did, was that something that interested you and satisfied you? Or were you this one of these guys that was just really into understanding and being part of the crypto space? I really enjoy, um, I really enjoyed learning. Um, so d diving into the crypto, diving into how, they, how it works and explaining it to regulators um, is something that really resonates with me. 
for Binance, I've really learned because of the nature of the company, it, it was very distributed. Um, you know, before regulations came out, it was just a, a distributed people, pe people running the platform. Um, but since regulations come out, they've allowed uh, Binance to, to set up a home here. So, you know, we, we've got 600 people in, in Dubai. There's other uh, big concentrations of people in, in, in France as well. Um, and the, the enterprise, although I have a tight team that deal with the daily operations, is, is much wider and very distributed um, and people, it's, it's a different way of managing people. You know, we're used to ma managing people face-to-face, -face, FaceTime, going to see people, you know, whether you're having debates or arguments, it's a lot easier face-to-face. -face. Uh, you can continue discussions, you can bring people in, but this is very much screen-based. Um, so, I mean, luckily we had COVID, uh, which, which allowed us to sort of learn how to do this. But yeah, it's been a continuing experience for sort of managing a, a vast business by screen rather than by people. So that's mm. the, the Let, Let's dig into that for a little while because I, wanna, I wanna obviously want to talk about crypto for the benefit of everybody watching right now and they're, they're going to want some updates and stuff. But when, I, when you look at corporate wellness, and you try and understand how companies get the most out of people. We've seen this seismic shift from a 53-year-old man that's old school that was like, sign a contract, it's nine to five, five days a week, show up, otherwise you're fired, you know, you're one hour for lunch and all that kind of stuff, to a world now where people are saying, you know what, I actually don't want to work five days a week. I want to work four or actually, you know, I, I don't want a toxic environment and, I don't, you know, I want my boss to trust me or whatever it may be. And... When you have 600 people working for your business here that you're responsible for, and many of them are remote, it must be really challenging to make sure you understand them all, understand what their motivators are, what inspires them, what drives them, and, and to get the very best out of them. So how have you learned how to handle that? Um, so when I first started up with Midchains, this was the first uh, experience where you know, trying to teach teach people crypto uh, on screen, and especially when people don't have their cameras on, it's really difficult to understand whether it's going in, it's going over their head. There's you well, they're lose, even there. Yeah, <laughs> you lose you lose that engagement. Um, so obviously, learned these lessons early on um, about yeah, really understanding if people are concentrating, um, looking at other things. You know, that that. Sort of connection you need in order to get knowledge transfer. Um, luckily, Binance had always been remote first. So I think they've, you know, uh, my HR business partner that manages the, the region here for me, um, she's been a part of Binance for, oh, I think, almost five years. So they have built that up. And in our staff portal, there's about wellness. Um, we have team building uh, subsidies. So, you know, just to go out and meet, take, go out for lunch, go out for a drink, go out for dinner. Because, um, yeah, you need to build those connections, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that, that that's still the best way of doing it. Um, and I also take time, I guess, in meetings as well, to sort of chit chat, 
you know, as you would uh, the water machine, as you would in the coffee machine to sort of engage, right? So make sure that you're, you're chatting to people and, you know, not, not just treating people as a commodity. And, and that's how you do it. But it's, it's hard work. Like you have to put the effort in. So you, you can't expect it all to work as easily as maybe if you're in an office. But, you know, I think just making sure you chit chat to people, make sure you always ask about, you know, like here, people always ask how you are, you know, doing that on calls, making sure, you know, you understand, uh, you know, praise after meetings or especially, especially where there's been a disagreement on a call. Uh, I generally always try to sort of message that person afterwards and just say that, you know, respect what we're doing, you know, let's, let's try and address these things. Um, and I think some people, some people that are probably more shy stand out a little bit better in these remote first places uh, because they, they, they're, they're comfortable, that they're, you know, they're maybe a bit more introverted. But then when you you engage them the you know the first time you know they're, they're pulled back so you need to sort of i guess understand who who you can sort of bash heads with and, and get something good out of them and who you have to be more subtle with and that takes time and again you just have to learn it you have to just you know spend the time learning about people a lot of times in business people don't think that business is about people but at the end of the day that's all it's about really isn't Absolutely. it Absolutely. you know and being the boss here for binance you've got 600 people that essentially you have to get performing as well as they possibly can when you look across uh, when i would assume the kind of demographic of people you've got or psychographics of people that you have i would always just assume it's more techie types coders developers these types of people who we sadly stereotypically would regard as more introverted than extroverted um is that a fair assumption an unfair assumption what do, what do you think that's, that's very fair very fair, very fair. Okay. i mean uh, even in physics right so you know in my undergrad you know again there's also a gender disparity right in my undergrad there were probably three girls out of 40 people um and then you know almost everyone's quite introverted um and that you see that computer science you see that in math so we're trying to even that out i mean uh, thankfully binance is, is has a much better gender diversity there's a lot more i mean lots of the senior women at binance.com you know uh, in the top tier um and i guess they've done a good job of sort of promoting that and keeping equality um we, we spoke a little bit about it on a panel last uh last week um you know, it builds a more healthy discussion, right? Because you got different viewpoints and everything else. Um, so. But when you take you know, a, a business that's about people, and then you've got introverts, that's that becomes then a challenge as to you. You know, your energy. You know, does it suck your energy? They say that the introvert, when they spend a lot of time with people, their energy is sucked, and when an extrovert's around people, their their energy is you know is brought in. They get more energy from the people. So do you find it challenging being the kind of personality you are as a leader in a business to 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 connect in that way and get your energy from it? Yeah, well, that, that is that that is a challenge, right? And as I said, l luckily, I guess I'm probably more extroverted than introverted. And uh, in my baptism of fire, the guys from the life floor, sort of these guys are a different level, you know, walking around the office, they're clapping and cheering, banging desks and singing songs like, on 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. Um, 
So it's completely, completely different. So you, you, my job as a leader is to sort of use my energy to sort of make sure everyone else is, is working hard. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay, let's talk about crypto then. We've seen obviously lots of stuff in the news over the course of the last 12 months. We've uh, got news here where there's VARA, which is the authority that's issuing the various license that needs to be issued. We've also got the FTX drama that happened. Um, and along the way, we've gone into a bit of a, a bear market for the crypto world. Mm -hmm. Now, the predictions that are coming out from different people all look very promising. But what is the sentiment at the moment, do you think, from people around crypto, meme coins, um, and, you know, your stalwarts with Ethan and Bitcoin at the moment? What are you, what are you getting from the market? So I guess general sentiment is, is down, but not, not as miserable, I guess, as when, you know, FTX was happening. Um, so I think we bounced back from that. Um, and I think... Binance especially, um, and lots of other industry players are, are really talking about sort of this is a build phase. Um, and, you know, people like Ray Dalio say you, you need to have boom and bust, right? You know, trying to equalize mar markets just isn't going to work. And that's yeah. not natural cycles. And, you know, that, that doesn't happen when, with farming. It doesn't happen in, in nature, right? So you, you need to have boom and bust. Um, and what we're seeing we're, with crypto and blockchain and Web3 is we're seeing real use cases emerge. So, you know, let's go back to 2016, 2017, there are lots of tokens, no one knew what they're doing, no one knew how they worked, they didn't work, right? And people were just creating tokens and then trying to work out what, what problem they're gonna solve. Um, and that was unsustainable and we saw, we saw that die out. So now it needs to be much more sustainable. So people that are build, building and have the capital and can raise capital have good use cases, good problems to solve. Um, they build an MVP first, a minimum viable product, which they can show to investors, VCs, um, get investment and then start releasing tokens. So we're seeing that. We're seeing, you know, there was a flash in the pan with NFTs, so non-fungible tokens, which were generally pictures. Um, and then they were trying to build use cases afterwards, say, okay, now you're part of a club. Whereas now they're looking at sort of engaging and lots of big brands, uh, big car companies, uh, food companies, and now going, well, how do we engage our clients, right? We'll give them an NFT, which means like the like a reward card. Mm -hmm. And then we can, you know, with certain protocols, message people, we can airdrop rewards to them. So now we're, we, have a, we have a product that we can solve uh, problems with. Uh, and now with, with blockchain and settlements, so a transfer of value is, is Bitcoin. And you know that's known, but now we're looking at oracles. So these are things like Chainlink or Ocean, where it looks at real world information and puts it onto the blockchain. So then you can build these decentralized apps. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are sort of at now with Web3. So with Web3, one, you know, people talk about this and, you know, it's static web pages. And web two is web pages that are dynamic using people's data. Mm -hmm. And so this is the, which the user data is owned by the companies like Meta, Uber, Airbnb to create a website and create engagement. But now we're looking at decentralized ways for people to own their engagement and own their identity and move it across. 
Um, and, and we're still really early days. I mean, that's what you've got to remember with crypto. It's an experiment, but people have access to it. So in traditional finance, when we're raising money for businesses and whatever the stat is with the number of businesses that fail, you know, the public don't have access to that. Mm -hmm. yeah, and then when people are raising money, they, they raise from VCs and then goes to private equity firms. And people are not involved until it goes to a sort of IPO stage. Mm -hmm. And so it's been validated already. Yeah. But with crypto, it gives companies the opportunity to involve retail people very early. And they've not been exposed to that, and it, you know, not cognitive of that risk. Mm, good point. And so, you know, the crypto leverages network effects, you know, communities and allow people to invest. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Let's understand that in a bit more detail, because the, the, the average Joe mm -hmm. isn't a risk taker. The average Joe doesn't really understand investing. You know, I come from wealth management mm -hmm. and most people couldn't describe how a mutual fund works or, or, or how commodities work, if we're really honest. Yeah. What they care about is being able to invest in something and get more than they started with at the end of whatever that set period is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and a lot of people ask the question, you know, is if I'm that kind of person is getting involved in crypto for me, should, should I be investing in this kind of stuff? Um, and my, my answer typically is you should never put your life savings into something like this, but put a little bit of money every month into an exchange, buy and hold and don't worry about stuff until 10 years down the road because mm -hmm. you'll be in a much better position than had you not done that. And I don't say that because I'm an oracle on, on the world of crypto because I'm 100% not. I couldn't be f further from it. But because I just believe that, you know, in my humble opinion, that all of this is the future of money. And whilst I don't believe in the NFTs and the memes and everything else, I do believe in, you know, four or five coins that, that I believe really are going to make the future of money for us. Mm -hmm. For me to say that to people, do you think that's fair? It's, it's totally fair. It's um, So with any new technology, it's unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. And crypto is unfamiliar to regulators. It's unfamiliar to traditional FIs, financial institutions. Um, it acts like a bearer asset. So it, it puts um, the sophistication onto the user. So while it's a difficult, like crypto is difficult. Mark Cuban, the successful tech entrepreneur, got fished and lost money uh, about a month ago yeah i saw that yeah all right so it's difficult because it's a new technology right and we've we've been around long enough to see a couple of cycles of new technology and you know you stick with amazon in, tw uh, in 1999 and you know look where you see it today that that's kind of where we are with the industry because i think we're seeing it now resonate web3 is now resonating with big institutions because everyone is convinced about web two that that's un undeniable. So the next evolution, no one wants to miss out and goes back to the investment. And I'm sure you'll probably agree. You know, people talk about you need skin in the game, but you need to invest in a product to start understanding it or be interested in it. And so we're not talking about actively investing, but you're, you're talking about just buy for interest, buy for exposure, buy to see how it works and that will then build as, as it becomes more mature and as the technology becomes more secure more mature it becomes less sophisticated or at least sophisticated to interact with mm -hmm. so each wallet 
has different addresses, different protocols. You paid. You have to. You have to pay for transactions. Sometimes in a different token. It's really difficult. Um, and we're starting to see solutions to this. Um, so there's a new. Well, not that new, but we, we talk about account abstraction, right? So this abstracts away all the accounts and it gives people one user identity mm-hmm. to, to create, right? So that's already reducing the complexity and allowing people to, to get involved. And, you know, Binance reduces the sophistication for people to get involved. And, and you know, should people look after their own crypto? I guess it depends on how sophisticated they are. It's the same with online banking. It's the same people get fished for OTPs on their SMS. People click a link. People getting scammed for WhatsApp. You know, it's it's targeting the lack of familiarity with, with the product, right? And, you know, it's not just crypto. It's like traditional banking as well. Um, and so as the products get more sophisticated, and the user experience improves the, these dangers and these risks are mitigated somewhat but that's that's where we're moving towards right and you know going back to web one right web one was html http and urls and you know urls are the the, the location of where mm-hmm. data is stored and then we have dns which domain name server so that's where you're pointing things to but you know I don't know if everyone in my office knows how the internet works still, but they use it proficiently. And, you know, we, we have lots of security training at Binance to make sure people aren't fished. But it doesn't mean they know how it works. And it's the same with crypto. We're going to like five, 10 years time. You know, you, you don't need to know how wallets work. You don't need to know how what, what's happening, what where transactions are. You just want the product and service. Yeah. But because it's so new, those nuts and bolts are exposed. And you can see the, the inner workings, and and it's tricky. Is Binance the biggest platform in the world? Okay, so you, there there are competitors out there. There's obviously um, some that have gone by the wayside, and uh, over the years, and some recently. So when, when you look at who your competitors are in the space, who would you say are your competitors? So there's about four or five. Crypto exchanges that have come to to the UAE um, that you know we meet in uh, in sessions at Vara, um, and so we, we all want the same thing, and we're pushing towards the the same products and services. Um, and it's helpful that you know the market is still so new that you know we talk about competitors. There's about 250 million people that use crypto actively. Right. Right. How many people are on Twitter actively? It's a, a, a multiple of that. Yeah, and that's just one product. So, you know, we're, we're all looking. I mean, we probably have all, more or less a lot of the same clients, but we're all looking just outward about, you know, we, we, we're so consumed in crypto. We think, you know, every, everyone knows about it. You know, all we talk about it, my wife knows enough about it because she hears what's going on. But, you know, one, one level away, my, my wife's cousin came to stay. She doesn't know anything about crypto. So, you know, I don't think there's a there's p- perhaps competition for sort of some of the current clients, 
but it's really about engaging people that don't know about crypto and giving them a good product, right? So, you know, like you're seeing all the sports uh, advertising with like crypto.com, with OKX, you know, it's about sort of starting to educate people. And, and, and that's really the, the mission for all of us is to sort of educate people um, about crypto. Is your goal on new accounts? Is that is that one of your targets? How many new accounts you can open, or is it funded accounts, or is it traded accounts, or is it assets under management? What do you what do you focus on as a business? So, Binance makes money on trading. Yeah. So you know that that's where you know that's where we do. We, we don't charge for custody, um, and you know it, it costs us money to custody, but we, we're ha happily protect user assets and store it. But it that's the that's where we, we make money on the trading exchange. Um, but being the biggest, um, and we are the biggest by quite some way, um, we act as an ecosystem and we act as an ecosystem enabler. So, you know, Web3 pro projects and token projects and protocols, you know, we, we're, as a, we're like a nexus for them to come engage with us and, and you know, we use our name and our events to bring people together to build. Yeah. Um, the founders are, are builders. They're, they're, they're not traders. You know, as I said, you know, despite the exchange being the core of the business, the, the founders are, are technical guys, they're, they're CTO guys where, you know, they love tech, they love to build, they love product. Um, and so we, we, as it grows, and luckily we have the ability to sort of concentrate on different products that, that maybe don't make money, but it's good for the business and it's good for the ecosystem, it's good for crypto. It's interesting you say that because they're two very different breeds, aren't they? A developer versus a trader, you know, very different breed. We, when we think about how, how crypto is seen to some people as gambling, Okay, and we see these platforms. So there's a platform that came out a few years ago called stake.com, which is allowing people to bet essentially on whether that's casinos or sports betting using their crypto to bet with. Mm -hmm. And there, there was a really interesting interview that I listened to with the founder and he said, you have to understand the reason that it's so successful, he said, is that, that, that people that trade crypto have a much higher tolerance for risk and so because they have a higher tolerance for risk, they, the comparative the risk decisions they're making aren't you know, off the charts as they would be normally. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I look at anyone trading on any form of exchange, whatever that may be, that could be Forex, commodities, it can be CFDs and, and, and crypto. When you trade, you make decisions based upon the information that you've gathered. Yeah. Or <laughs> you stick your finger in the air and you wonder which way the wind's going. When, when you look at the people, the, the, the clients that you have, and you look at the education that you're offering them, does it take, it, take them a while to consume that information, to learn more? Or do you find that people are getting in and when they open an account and having a go and buying and selling or buying and holding? So... You definitely get um, a fair share of speculators, right? And that's what we sort of the first bucket of people we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, they're, they're speculating on asset prices. Crypto's volatile, so they get a lot of movements. And wh whether that's through charting, 
some kind of sort of macro news or you know finger in the air um but i think bill, bill in the pub yeah, bill in the, pub, yeah, yeah, yeah. the plumber bill yeah he told me he told me I taxi drivers him. taxi oh yeah taxi drivers <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that that exists but i think binance's mission is definitely to educate ab about the product to show financial inclusion to show how you can exchange value without intermediaries at lower cost um and so binance academy uh is really good it's a really big resource on binance um it's got some really high level stuff and it goes really low level stuff um and people do consume that we we, we actively try and engage in universities to to push this because it's learning about crypto and what you can do with it it's not really talking about price action. It's not talking about mm -hmm. trying to make money. It's talking about buying tools for the future. Mm -hmm. So buying some of these Web3 protocols that you know, you know will be part of the future and they're sort of investments. And you know, we have much more sort of conservative messaging coming out with like dollar cost averaging. You know, you're seeing some of the financial services companies here saying, you know, don't panic, zoom out, you know, you shouldn't be overexposed anyway. So we, we, we echo those kind of messages, right? So it that breeds more responsible asset allocation for these products. And, you know, that's that's where we're going because, you know, we we want to grow a healthy industry. And so, so if, you, if, if you think about your business over the course of the next 10 years, ideally what you want to be doing is you want to be teaching kids in schools now at 10 years old so that they can learn. And so have you had any interaction with the education system and the authorities here in the UAE about bringing a curriculum in that kids can learn just like you were learning um, physics and maths and stuff like that, normal subjects. Now, I'm not talking about an, an after-school activity or something unusual, but bringing that in because <clears throat> I believe that they don't do enough of that around money, let alone anything else, cash flow, credit cards, managing your finances, saving for a mortgage on a property, a deposit on a property and all that kind of stuff. The, the kind of conversations you've had, tell me about those and where they've got you or, or how they're received. The, the, to my knowledge, I don't think we've gone quite as uh, young as that because as you say, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of education about money to start with. So, you know, trying to shoehorn in a, a niche neuro type of currency is going to be a difficult sell. Um, yeah, so but you think about that, Alex. And the truth is when they want to learn something that they think can benefit them, they learn it. And you can, you can use every single online game that exists that kids adopt, you know, mm. and whether it's phone-based, laptop-based or whatever it is, they work out how to use it quick enough. Every single app that came out, you know, whatever musically before it was was uh, TikTok, mm. my kids were using that. I didn't even know what it was. I never even heard of it. Yeah, yeah. And so they will learn and, and, and adopt new technology and new tools if they think it's in their interest. Yeah. I mean, we are we're active engaging in universities universities here okay. so you know we've done a few courses with finance academy a couple in dubai uh i think in rack as well um because if i if i'm 18 should i be able to you know, go and do a degree in crypto or blockchain i don't think there is i know there's masters but i'm not sure if there's degrees i wonder why um i wonder why as well i guess there's no one there to teach because the people 
that are actively engaged in crypto, uh, full-time in crypto. There's no people that are sort of coming out. I mean, I guess there's a few sort of people that maybe have stopped work working um, and could go into it. But I think that, you know, it's just too new. It's still too cutting edge. The experiment is happening live in the real world. Uh, Alex, is this an experiment really? Or is this the future? It's the future, but you experiment to understand. So the, these are all experiments. You know, we, going back to the web analogy, right? So some of these apps have failed. Some of these websites like MySpace, they failed because they, 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 they did their, their version and it was superseded by something else. And, you know, that, that's, that's where we are. Crypto, we're still trying to understand how best to use these products. And people are still learning about how to engage. So one, the one difficulty with Web3, or one of the difficulties, is you need to pay crypto to engage the smart contracts. So there, there's a new uh, social platform called Friendtech, and it's based off the Coinbase blockchain, which yeah. is layer two of uh, um, Ethereum. And so it, it leverages Twitter and acts in a very similar way, but you have to pay, you have to pay gas and you engage. And uh, I was looking at someone and they had, I think, 190,000 people follow him on Twitter and 90 people follow him or engage with him on, on this platform. And you know, it's free to follow someone on Twitter mm -hmm. and, it, and it's not free to do this. So it's still a bit difficult. And so maybe, maybe that will, will disappear. Maybe we'll find a way that we won't need to pay gas fees for, for certain interactions. And, you know, trying to explain to someone, you know, let's use Twitter again. If you suddenly have to start paying per message or, you know, top up your gas tank to, you know, for a year, people start dying out. Yeah. People, you know, or, or people are very comfortable, you know, with the current paradigm. You give them data, they give you service. Right. But that, that's what people want to change for Web3. Um, and we're, we're experimenting on how to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all these new products and the beauty of you know, crypto is, you know, it's open source. So, you know, someone can lift that and go, well, I really like this idea, but we can change these bits and pieces. And they do. Um, and, and it keeps evolving like that. Whereas, again, you know, Web2 was closed door. You didn't see their code. Mm -hmm. You know, you maybe could try and copy it, but you didn't see it. Yeah but it's much freer for Web3. When you look at your own investment portfolio and the decisions you've made over the years, you've obviously been exposed and highly, highly analytical and you've been exposed to the various markets. What kind of investor would you regard yourself as? Are you a good investor? Are you a cautious investor? You, how does it work with you? Yeah. Or are you snowed under with work and you don't ever get the best out of your own money? De definitely, definitely the last one. Okay. I mean, uh, but, but conservative, you know, or at least I understand the risk, right? So com coming from sitting on a desk, trading interest rates and really understanding, um, you know, what, what your risks are. And, and what actually brought me to start working uh, for trading companies rather than trading was the, was it 2010? Here where the Dubai property crash happened. And I was trading short sterling front of the curve interest rates and they went wild. And, you know, everyone's like, why is this event happening so far away? You know, different, I mean, 
it's dirhams pegged to the dollar, so far away, like destroying our yield curve. You know, like no one in the office could answer. You know, and uh, then I sort of realized, you know, it, it, this is not known. There's too many wild factors um, in finance, and so you know, from that point on, I've always sort of been cautious. And you know, that's that's why I didn't buy enough Bitcoin at the time, right? You know, lots of people that are now fabulously wealthy through crypto. Unfortunately, it's a little bit of survivor bias. You know, these are the guys that went all in at the right time and, and it worked. But lots of people go have gone all in on crypto a few times and it not worked. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that's always something you need to bear in mind. And so that's the kind of investor. I sort of do understand that there's always a unknown risks to I mean, I mean you look at your own investment strategies and portfolios you you take into consideration all options rather than just only crypto yourself i'm more heavily crypto um but i have my wife to balance me out <laughs> and she has a very balanced portfolio um and but i mean you know I, you know as a family it's balanced out um sure. and then but it's a similar thing. She she looks at investments uh, in ESG, you know, um, and w what we need to do to to continue living in the in the future in the, in the way that we want. And so, you know, picking these uh, thematic investments for uh, for the future is, is what we're doing. And when, you, when let's go back to Binance for a second here, biggest exchange in the world, obviously famously. Um, uh, founded by CZ, who became quite a, a well-known character in in in, in, well, in in mainstream media in many yeah, respects so. as well. Is he your boss? So I have a. He is my boss's boss. So my boss is Richard, and CZ is Richard's boss. Okay. Um, and give me some insight on him. I want to know inside the you know stuff that people haven't heard before. What kind of a guy is he like, and how how have you enjoyed working with him? He's very chilled, but very thorough. Um, he's got a very laid back personality, um, but has no problem asking questions, has no hesitation on like calling things out. Um, for me, there's that kind of interactions are sort of easier. I prefer like people like really shoot in and say, what, what's this Black problem? And yeah, and, and, and that's how he is, um, but he's super relaxed. Um, really, really humble, um, you know. So I, I deal with him more professionally. I see him out and about sometimes, and we've had dinner uh, with a big group of us a few times. Um, but a friend of a friend went out for coffee with him, um, and he was just really surprised, very relaxed, very pro-crypto. Um, he's here for, for the good and to build things. Um, and he just, he, he's enjoying what he's doing. And you, and you, you definitely get that purpose. Um, and you see, I think you see that. I think it, it's genuine. You know, you, no, one, no one that interacts with him thinks anything other than him being genuine. That's good. It's yeah. good to work with something like that. So when you look, when you look forward and you, you, you take your career and think about the future, You've been at you've been at Binance now for how long? 
just over 18 months. Yeah. And, you, and uh, just to repeat your position, you're the executive director and general manager of uh, Binance in the Middle East. So Binance, yeah, Binance FZ, the entity that's established in, in Dubai. Okay. And how many entities are there around the world? Poor, I don't know that. We have a, a few. I mean, there are 18 licensed entities around the world. I'm pretty sure that's the number. Okay. Um, but I, so I am very much concentrated on, on Dubai and the UAE and, and where we are there. Um, the rest of the registrations are global. I mean, I help talk to some of the people, like other managers, you know, when sort of understanding, but yeah, I just look at the region here. Just talk to me before we finish about the relationship that crypto has with the UAE and how it's perceived and maybe compare compared to other places what what you've learned and and how they've decided to adopt it here are they because we hear in the press that you know they're very pro crypto and they're very keen um to be the home of crypto but uh, are they really yes yes the the leadership here um have, have made a stance that they want to be a crypto enabler they they want to develop Web3, especially, you know, the Dubai government, they've established VARA, so a specific virtual asset regulator. Um, they have the Dubai Metaverse Assembly. They have the Ministry of AI. They understand that Web3 is a, a new economy and it has the ability to, to put them on, in the center of the globe it gives them a lot of ability to become a knowledge-based economy. You know, they were, they were, you know the, whole, the whole goal, I think, for the whole of UAE is to sort of diversify at some point, you know, uh, tourism, but now knowledge-based away from hydrocarbons. Saying that, you know, they, they are also very prudent and conservative. And, you know, just because crypto wants to go 100 miles an hour doesn't mean they will. So it's about, you know, everyone from That's the an top. interesting thing you just said, actually, isn't it? You know, because you guys want to go 100 miles an hour doesn't mean that they're going to do that just to keep just to allow you to keep your pace. Absolutely. Yeah. So they. Uh, they're making sure everyone understands it before they go forward. They're, you know, they're doing it to to bring economy here, the, the crypto economy, like, they've got big schemes, which we know work you know like dubai 10x d33 these government initiatives work because they have the runway and they have the desire to do it and so we're definitely seeing that coming to fruition here it's exciting times absolutely it's the you know you get excited about crypto i definitely get excited about crypto and i think the, the government here you know they, they want to build these new economies and they want to be at the forefront of it you know any country that dominates an industry becomes a global power, right? Mm. You know, you see that in, in the other industries. And so that puts you on the stage like, globally and it gives you, the, uh, you know, a lot of power going forward. And that's what, really what they want. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for coming to chat with us today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Spencer. It's been a pleasure.